Where do you place your hope? That's what it's about. It's about Elijah and despair. Where do you place your hope? As a people of God, as an individual. My hope, it says, is in the name of the Lord. My hope is in the name of the Lord. But what does that actually mean? Because that's a powerful voice and that's a powerful sense that we want in our lives. But what does it mean in reality? And I pray this morning that the story of Elijah, for you, if you feel as though you've been standing alone in a situation, I pray this story this morning will bring you hope. Because it is a true story of hope over despair. Because Elijah had followed the succession of ungodly kings. My goodness, had they been a group of kings, there had been one after the other, and it seemed as though each one came got worse than the one before. It has sort of accumulated. And uh, the Bible says that this King Ahab did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than all the ones that had gone before him. Do you get the picture? And then adding into that, he marries this woman called Jezebel who probably was just as bad as he was. It was a marriage made in hell for the people because it got worse and worse. And into this, Jezebel also decided that she would worship the gods of Baal, these fertility gods and gods or whatever. So she brought 450 of her prophets with her and then another 400 prophets that served the goddess Asherah. So I can see a bit of a, a, a sort of kingdom growing here that isn't too good. Maybe you feel that you live in those times of where wherever you look, things seem to be getting worse and worse and worse. And what do we do about it? Elijah, a great man of God, uh, feels that his message is falling on deaf ears. Not only has he been challenged, but what happens with all the followers of God, the one true God at that time? They all get together, they cluster around Elijah. No, they don't. They disappear. And Elijah is left alone to stand in that place to deliver this message of God's hope. God, Elijah actually means Yahweh, God is my God. Nothing better than a statement for that, is it? You know, what's your name, Elijah? God is my God. Well, we know where you're coming from. That's great. There is no hiding. And I thought, here we're just setting up for the big fight, aren't we, really? I wanted a bit of rocky music for this bit in the sermon. And uh, comes out, this is the big ticket, because Elijah is about to confront everybody else. He is about to confront the establishment. And there's going to be a bit of a showdown. Just to catch up, bell worship was to do with crops. So all the people, quite rightly, they felt, oh, well, we'll follow these gods who give us rain and stuff like that. So we're okay. It's what we want. It's what we do. But it wasn't. And... Uh, here we've got Elijah is called to King Ahab. And he says to him, look, basically this is my translation here. If you don't get a grip, if you don't get a grip on this nation, if you don't follow the one true God, if you basically don't get a grip on your wife and what she's doing, then actually 
what I'm going to do is uh, the Lord your God is going to withhold rain. And he won't turn the tap on until I ask him to do that. What a big call. What a big call. What a courageous call to stand for God. To go and say, I am not going to put up with this anymore. The Lord your God, I, I can buy into everything else, but I refuse to buy into this. And whatever, the Lord refuses to buy into this. And there needs to be a change. Three years later, three years later, how stubborn can you get? The people wouldn't listen. There was drought, there was famine. And here is Elijah, goes back three years later, and three years later, here is the showdown. So he went to meet with Ahab, Elijah said, and he says to him, is that you, you troubler? <laughs> oh yeah, oh, I'm the one that's causing the problem, am I? I'm the one that's getting in the way. And he says, that's okay. Gather all your 450 prophets, bring the other 400 as well, and we'll have a showdown on Mount Carmel. How do you fancy that? And they think, well, yeah, this is it. We'll get rid of Elijah once and for all. And this is what happens. You see, you see, there's going to be this big showdown. And you're either people, I want to ask you this morning, either you're all in or you're all out. There is no halfway. And I think I lived my life as a Christian for many years as a half-out Christian. I was one foot in. I could sit on the fence with everybody else. I could buy into everything else, but I wasn't two feet in. We've just come back from a CVM men's weekend away where there were 69 men gave their lives to Christ and one woman at a men's weekend. She had come as a carer for one of the people that she was looking after. And we, we were there on that night and she was there. All these people went down, gave their lives to the Lord and most of those had been brought by other Christians. They'd been brought along. And then she came walking down and gave her life as well, in amongst two, two and a half thousand men. How brave is that? You see, either you are all in or all out. There is no sitting on the fence. There is no observing. We are both feet in. And here I've met so many Christians who have one foot in, or worse, do not commit. Here's the challenge from Scripture. How long will you waver between two opinions, says Elijah? How long will you waver between the two if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people did nothing. So what he does is he does this showdown. And he says, that's okay. Bring all your people. Carve up your ox or whatever you're going to sacrifice. And you do that on the altar. But the call is, is you call down fire from heaven from your God and set it on fire. So they do. 
And all the prophets of Baal, they're dancing around, they're cutting themselves with swords, they do all of this. And what I love in scripture is in between all of this, Elijah speaks into us, you see, because there is a choice time. There is a choice. Either you live with hope or you live with despair. And Elijah wasn't going to live with despair. He wasn't going to live with despair for the people because he had a heart for the people. His heart was with the people. We heard that in our testimony this morning. We've heard that in our hearts this morning. We have a heart for the people that we are called to reach. And so we do something. Do you stand? Do you call on the name of the Lord? Do you call on the name of the Lord in those those times when he has to make a difference and bring hope? Because that's what we live in. You see, I'm going to, I'm all in. I'm all in. And Elijah was all in. I want to bring hope to a people. I don't want to just see them carry on in this way, in this life. We want to bring hope into people who have despair. And I don't know about you, I talk to people as you do. And I just sense there's a lack of hope around at the moment. But there's a lot of despair. I believe that we're called to be bringers of hope. So what happens? Everybody comes. It's the big ticket. It's the big ticket event. It's even bigger than Ed Sheeran. You know, this is the big ticket event. They've all come. What's going to happen on Mount Carmel? So all the prophets of Baal, they've cut themselves, whatever, nothing happens. And what I love is Elijah just leans over and says, shout louder. Why don't you just shout louder for your God? They must be on holiday. What's all that about? Nothing happens. And then Elijah said to the people, come here to me. Come here to me. And with that, he says, I don't just want to make this easy. Just there's four big pitchers of water over there. Just pour it on this thing. I don't want anybody to be in any doubt. So they do that once. And they said, no, actually, let's do it again. And let's do it again. Let's let nobody be in any doubt about this God of hope that I'm talking to you about. And so he does that. He calls fire down from heaven and it burns up. The people fell prostrate and said, the Lord, he is God. And a nation came to know the one true Lord. Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine seeing your friends and your family, those that we meet with, those that we work with, coming to Christ? Then a cloud as small as a man hand rises from the sea, and then it starts to rain. That's just awesome, isn't it? Well, Elijah can now retire. He can write books. He can go on Premier Christian Radio. He can appear at Spring Harvest. He can do book signings. He's made. Elijah is the man. And then one thing comes. Jezebel says to him, I'm going to kill you. What would you do? We mighty people of God. We've just seen the Lord do amazing things. What does Elijah do? He runs. He runs in despair a hundred miles. 
In fact, he runs again and again and again. And where it ends is that he is found lying under a broom bush. And uh, he says, this is life for God's purposes and his power. This is the game changer. A hundred miles later, he lies under this bush and says, take my life. What brings a mighty people, a mighty person of God within just a day or so to that point. And I would suggest that we know that place. That we know that place is people of God who have given our lives, who have served, who have done amazing things and seen God do amazing things. And we have come to that point where there's one thing that happens that suddenly knocks our faith, puts us into despair and makes us run. This is encouragement. Because what did the angel bring? The angel brought cake. It says he fed Elijah at that point. You know, I want to give you hope because I want us to realize that we are human. Nudge the person next to them and said, You're human. It's okay. You're human. We are human. And we meet that point sometimes where something will happen and we get burnt out. Elijah has given three years, three years of drought. He's done all of this. He's done that great thing on Mike Carmel. He is human and he's done the amazing thing. And then the one thing that catches him is he realizes that his gauge of fuel is nearly on empty. And then comes the one thing that breaks in and causes him despair. And he runs. Be encouraged. Because we all meet that point. Mighty people of God. We have all been there. What do we do? We do the encouragement here. First of all, the physical. What does God do for Elijah? He builds him up physically. He builds him up again. He's been at his end. He's been part of the drought. He's been part of the famine. What does God do? God builds him up again. For any of us that's been in that place, what's the first? Well, not me personally. I just eat when I'm stressed. But uh, some people just stop eating. For me, you know, he fed him and he built him back up. What was the next thing he needs to do? He gets fed so that he can build up then the emotional and the spiritual. And then the emotional and the spiritual comes and Elijah is restored and renewed. The Lord brings hope in the place where Elijah was. And if you are there this morning, if you're listening on a podcast, if you're listening wherever you are, be encouraged. Because the Lord won't take us as mighty people of God and leave us in despair. He will bring hope and may well be that some of us will be bringers of hope to other people. Bring us of hope in that place. Because 40 days he walks to Horeb and then the Lord says to him, where are you, Elijah? Where are you? And I don't think that's about a location. I don't think that's on Elijah's sat-nav. The Lord knows where he is. But he says, where are you? Because let's have a real relationship here. This is about relational. This is personal. Where are you? Be honest with me. Be honest with yourself. And let's get back to that place where you need to be, because I can do that. And I don't know where you are at the moment, but if God asked you, where are you? 
What would your reply be to God, honestly? Because that's what it's about. Maybe, Lord, I'm two feet out at the moment, but I want to be two feet back in. Maybe I was two feet back in years back. Maybe I've lived my Christian life as only one foot in. Maybe I've lived my life of just acknowledging God, but never actually being open enough or think I can be open enough to have a personal relationship. So I want to be all in. And so spiritually, Horeb was an opportunity for a fresh revelation. And that's where he was. I don't know what your Horeb is. Where is your place for a fresh revelation of God? To say, I'm all back in again. I'm two feet in. You see, Elijah already knew the power of God. And so we get this thing of the mountain and comes by the thunder and the lightning. Do you know what? He'd seen all of that. He'd seen the fire come down from heaven. He'd seen the power of God come down. He'd seen fire come from nowhere into anything. He'd seen that. He doesn't need to see that again. Maybe many of us don't need to see that again. We've seen the power of God. We've seen lives changed. We've seen people change. We've been seeing people transformed in the love of God. And that's been great. But what does God do? God says, after the fire comes a gentle whisper. And then Elijah stood at the mouth of the cave and he went out and in the presence of God, in the stillness and in the quietness, the Lord spoke and said, where are you, Elijah? Where are you? Maybe for us this morning, it's that still small voice that says to us, where are you? Where are you? Because we're going to do great things. Because what's happening is, Elijah, is I'm going to restore you and renew you because you've been running on empty. And you are going to go back and you are going to do great things. But I just want to encourage you and make you a bringer of hope again to your people. Elijah tells God as though he didn't know anything. He just pours it out. And he says, don't go somewhere different. Go back to where you came from. Go back to that place and make a difference. And he does. Filled with hope, restored and renewed.